0: Hello there, faithful listener. You've tuned in to season seven of the Bible Explained podcast. So make sure to grab your cup of coffee because today we are going to be discussing the book of 1 Samuel. Hello and good morning, faithful listeners. This is Jen with the Bible Explained podcast. And while I was recording Friday's episode for you, I actually thought of a little riddle, which I'll tell you right now. Samuel is just Saul, but with the me. So what what does it mean? (laughs) You guys probably already figured it out. I thought it was very clever. Okay. I was like, whoa, I'm just a riddle master. Nobody will be able to figure this out. So (laughs) let me know if you figure out the riddle. Contact me. You'll find my information listed in the description Of this podcast episode. But let's go ahead and get into 1 Samuel chapter 10 today. I'll be reading verses 9 through 27. And this is a very interesting story because it's talking about Saul getting ready to become the first king of Israel and then all of a sudden not being ready to become the first king of Israel. So let's read this. I'll be reading out the W E B as usual, but please feel free to grab the version of the Bible that you prefer and also your cup of coffee or your cup of tea on this cold morning. I've, I've been drinking coffee a different way recently. I've been, uh, drinking coffee via my little wood stove, like the old fashioned way. <laughs> and it actually makes a pretty good cup of coffee. I do have to say I like it a lot versus the, uh, versus the drip coffee maker that I have. But anyway, grab your cup of coffee and let's go ahead and enjoy first Samuel chapter ten, nine through 27 together. It was so that when he or Saul had turned his back to go from Samuel, that God gave him another heart. And all those signs happened that day when they came there to the hill, behold, a band of prophets met him and the spirit of God came mightily on him and he prophesied among them. When all who knew him before saw that behold, that he prophesied with the prophets, then the people said to one another, what is this thing that has come to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? One from the same place answered, who is their father? Therefore, it became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? When he had finished prophesying, he came to the high place. Saul's uncle said to him and his servant, Where did you go? He said, To seek the donkeys. When we saw that they were not found, we came to Samuel. Saul's uncle said, Please tell me what Samuel said to you. Saul said to his uncle, He told us plainly that the donkeys were found. But concerning the matter of the kingdom of which Samuel spoke, he didn't tell him. Samuel called the people together to Yahweh, to Mizpah. And he said to the children of Israel, Yahweh, the God of Israel says, I brought Israel up out of Egypt and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all the kingdoms that oppressed you. But you have today rejected your God, who himself saves you out of all of your calamities and of your distresses. And you have said to him, no, set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before Yahweh by your tribes and by your thousands. So Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel near and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen. He brought the tribe of Benjamin near by their families and the family of the Matrites was chosen. Then Saul, the son of Kish was chosen. But when they looked for him, he could not be found. Therefore, they asked of Yahweh further. Is there yet a man to come here? Yahweh answered, behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage. They ran and got to him there. When he stood up among the people, He was higher than any of the people from his shoulders and upward. Samuel said to the people, Do you see him whom Yahweh has chosen, that there is no one like him among all the people? All the people shouted and said, Long live the king. Then Samuel told the people the regulations of the kingdom and wrote it in a book and laid it up before Yahweh. Samuel sent all the people away, every man to his house. Saul also went to his house in Gibeah, and the army went with him, whose hearts God had touched but certain worthless fellows said, how could this man save us? They despised him and brought him no tribute, but he held his peace. So to start out today in verse nine, it says that it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, that God gave him another heart. And all these things happened that day, or all those signs rather happened that day. So this is talking about how Samuel had just told Saul about three scenarios he was about to encounter, and I'm not going to go back over those today. So if you're curious about that, go back and listen to Friday's episode. But uh, it mentions that Saul receives a new heart right after he ends up leaving Samuel. And notice that it specifically mentions that Saul didn't receive the new heart until after he left Samuel. Samuel. And this shows that God was the one who had clearly given Saul the new heart, and it was not from Samuel. And this was to show Saul that God was his God, not Samuel, but God was. And I think you guys can probably think of some verses in scripture or things that we've talked about before where God changes somebody's heart. So a famous verse right off the top of my head is actually the one that says, create in me a clean heart, oh God. That's a prayer. And then also, I'm sure you guys remember Pharaoh, you know, where God hardened Pharaoh's heart. He gave him a hard heart. But in both circumstances, a new heart, like the one God had just given Saul, and a hard heart won't be given to the person unless the one receiving it really wants it. So for example, in the case of Pharaoh, He was purposefully stubborn, like he was willfully stubborn. Even after he saw many miracles from God, he was still stubborn. He still was disobedient. And the end result was that God gave him a hardened heart. God had hardened his heart. But here in 1 Samuel 10, Saul has just been told that he is going to become the first king of Israel. And so clearly Saul's heart was was open to that. He was receiving that information. And so the end result was that God gives him a new heart. So clearly Saul was ready for that. And God was changing Saul's heart in the process. So yeah, God can change hearts. But I believe that in both circumstances, whether God gives a hard heart or a new heart, it is fully dependent on whether or not that person wants the change of heart, if that makes sense. So anyway, Saul's heart was changed. And it was changed so much that he actually starts prophesying with a bunch of singing prophets. <laughs> now, remember that prophecy doesn't necessarily mean predicting the future, even though I think that's what a lot of people think that prophecy means. Mostly prophecy is just meaning somebody who is speaking a word from God. That is technically what prophecy means. So these singing prophets that Saul encounters, were likely just finishing up a sacrifice because it says they were coming down from the high place. So it's probable that they were singing hymns or singing psalms or just singing something to God specifically and also prophesying at the exact same time, almost like a, a, I don't know, like a parade or like a church procession is kind of what this sounds like to me. And so Saul's heart was changed so much by God that he ends up joining in on the music and the dancing and the prophesying in a public setting. <laughs> and if you you see how Saul is already, based upon what we've talked about before, Saul was a very shy guy. Like he was shy. He was pretty humble. He probably had a lot of insecurities, which is very interesting because Saul was an extremely tall man. But maybe that's where the insecurities kind of came from, if you think about it, because Saul was the tallest guy in all of Israel. Now, granted, people were shorter back in these days. And so Saul probably wasn't like extremely tall, probably six foot something, I would imagine. But he was so tall, you know, and I'm I'm sure that that constantly made him stick out like a sore thumb, right? And maybe that's where some of the insecurities were coming from, just people constantly looking at him and constantly just, you know, commenting on his height. And (laughs) he might've had some insecurities from that. I'm not even joking. So, um, so anyway, his heart has changed and he ends up joining in on this prophecy. And so he's speaking God's words. And it actually says that the spirit came mightily on him, meaning that the Holy Spirit came down and like gave Saul the gift of prophecy for a while. Now, we don't see that I know of. We don't see any other times where Saul specifically had the gift of prophecy. So this means that the Holy Spirit can give somebody a temporary gift. And I believe that that happens actually quite often. But just because you have a temporary gift doesn't mean that that is, you know, your main spiritual gift. But nothing is outside of what God can do. God can give somebody any gift that he wants to give them. God can create a new heart in a person within a matter of minutes. God can do anything. But the people see Saul dancing to the music and prophesying in this public setting. And let's see how they respond to to seeing Saul there. So it says in verse 10, when they came there to the hill, behold, a band of prophets met him and the spirit of God came mightily on him. He began prophesying among them. Then verse 11, when all who knew him before saw that, behold, that he was prophesying with the prophets, the people said one to another, what is this thing that has come on the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? (laughs) And then one from the same place answered, who is their father? Therefore, it became a proverb, is Saul also among the prophets? So basically the people were flabbergasted. Okay, to see Saul with the prophets. And you might ask, well, how did they know who Saul was? You know, because like, how did they know that that was Saul? But don't forget, Saul was tall. (laughs) Saul was tall. He was very, very tall. And so he was a unique looking person who stood out of the crowd. And so people would recognize him just from his height alone. And secondly, you know, his, his family was very well known because they were rich. And they were prominent in the region. And thirdly, this probably took place very close to Saul's home. Because don't forget that Saul was coming home. And from my understanding, it says that this is near Gibeah, if I'm remembering correctly. And so this, this likely would have taken place very close to where Saul was born. So people in the region would have likely recognized Saul. Okay. So they were shocked to see Saul with the prophets. And so they say, is Saul also among the prophets? Because if they knew Saul before, if they knew Saul's personality, first and foremost, he never would have been (laughs) in this band of prophets, right? He never would have uh, put himself in that position. And secondly, Saul didn't even know who Samuel was at the beginning of this story, Okay. And Samuel was the high priest of Israel. So that very clearly tells you that Saul was not religious, just didn't care about religion, likely rarely went to the temple or the the uh, the synagogue, rather. He just wasn't a religious guy. And so anybody who knew him would have been like shocked, at Saul's sudden prophesying, just as I would be if I knew somebody who wasn't religious. And then suddenly I'm seeing them at church, like prophesying, I would be shocked out of my mind. Anybody would be right. So verse 12, though, if you look at it, actually mentions something kind of funny. So the people are all shocked and they say, what is this that has come to the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? And it says in verse 12, one from the same place answered, who is their father? And like, if you're looking at that, you'd be like, what kind of an answer is that? Like, (laughs) first and foremost, it's a question. And secondly, what does that even mean? Who is their father? But if you think about it, that is an excellent answer to what these people were asking. Because this person who says, who is their father, was actually reminding the crowds of who God was. He was the father of these prophets. Meaning that it wasn't so strange to see Saul suddenly prophesying because God was their father. God can change hearts. He is all powerful. He can give people sudden spiritual rebirths. He can give people a changed heart. So it's not so out of the ordinary to see Saul, you know, prophesying suddenly because Saul had just had his heart changed from God. But after all of this happens, it says that Saul goes up to the synagogue. And it was likely to worship God because don't forget, Saul has a changed heart. Now he's encountered God. And so he meets his uncle who asks where he's been. Now, we don't know if the uncle was up in the synagogue and that's how Saul meets him, or it could be that Saul went home and met his uncle there. But either way, either in the synagogue or at home, Saul meets his uncle and his uncle's like, where have you been? And Saul Only tells him part of the story. He's like, Well, you know, I went out to go find those donkeys, right, that were missing, and we couldn't find them for three days. So we went and asked Samuel where they were. And so the uncle gets really excited when he hears Samuel's name and he's like, Well, what did Samuel tell you? And so Saul says, Well, Samuel told us that the donkeys were found. And it says, Saul did not tell his uncle. The rest of the story, basically. Now, if you look this up online, a lot of people think that it was actually wrong for Saul to do this to hide the whole story from his uncle and not tell about the king thing. But personally, in my opinion, if I were in the same situation, which I never would be, obviously, but if I were, I kind of feel like I would have responded in a very similar way as to what Saul did because. Saul was told to wait 10 days for Samuel. Okay, that's the first thing. And the second thing, Samuel had actually anointed Saul secretly. Like even Saul's servant wasn't allowed to see that. So to me, I think Saul had a right to assume that it was a secret that shouldn't be told until Samuel announces it. But I can see how other people think that it was wrong for Saul to do this because, you know, Saul could have been avoiding the situation, you know, it could have been scared or something along those lines. And that could be possible because suddenly the story takes this very strange turn. Okay. So it starts out with Saul receiving this new heart from God and being emboldened and, you know, prophesying with these prophets. And suddenly now Saul is hiding in luggage. (laughs) Okay. So here's what it says. It says, Samuel calls the people together to Yahweh to Mizpah. So this could have been, this was likely 10 days later, right? Because Saul was told to wait 10 days. And Samuel ends up calling this big meeting. And Mizpah was kind of like the gathering place of Israel. And so it says in verse 18. Uh, Samuel said to the children of Israel, Yahweh, the God of Israel says, I brought you up out of the land of Egypt and I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all the kingdoms who have oppressed you. But you have today rejected your God who himself saves you out of all of your calamities and your distresses. And you've said to him, no, set a king over us. So Samuel, of course, gives the people again, this, this warning about wanting a king, because first and foremost, it was nonsensical for the Israelites to want a king because God was their king and God fought for the Israelites and God proved himself with that time and time again. I mean, he He rescued them from Egypt. He rescued them over the years, like in the book of Judges, from all of their oppressors. He constantly was providing for them and taking care of them. And the people were constantly rebelling and constantly getting themselves into trouble. And God would send another helper or help the people himself and, you know, destroy the enemies. But Israel was like, no, we don't want God. We want a human king. That is what we want, because all the other nations around the world have a human king. And we think that'll be better for us. And so Samuel gives the people this warning for rejecting God once again. And, you know, even after this warning, the people don't even listen. You know, they're at Mizpah, they're listening to Samuel and they're just like, oh, whatever, give us our king now. And they don't even like, they don't even seem upset about it because here's how the story progresses. Samuel casts these lots. And this was a very common way for God to speak to his people back in these days. I don't know if you guys remember the Urim and the Thurim That was like black and white stones that the priests would use to determine God's will. And a lot of times, God would talk to his people by casting lots, if that makes sense, like uh, flipping a coin, you know, in a modern sense of the word. Samuel tells the people that God is going to choose the next king. And of course, Samuel already knows who it is, he knows it's going to be Saul. But this did take an amount of faith, you know, for Samuel to cast these lots knowing that Saul was going to be the next king, right? Like that would have been kind of scary for me. Like, oh, what if I got it wrong? What if Saul is not the next king? Like I would have been questioning myself, but you know, Samuel had a lot of faith and often communicated with God. So he cast these lots knowing that Saul was going to be the next king. So that's exactly what happens. Out of all the people of Israel, Saul is chosen as the next king, but suddenly he's not in the crowd. Okay, so where is he? And the people are like, Where is the king? And so they pray to Yahweh and they're just like, Where is the king? Is there going to be a man to present himself to us? And so Yahweh answers the people Behold, he has hidden himself among the baggage. (laughs) Again, okay, Saul is hiding in the luggage. Okay. So <laughs> all the stuff that the people had brought, you know, to come to this meeting for however many days, Saul is just like chilling, hiding among the baggage that the people had brought. And so, <laughs> and so the people go and get Saul and he stands up and he's a foot taller than everybody else, like a whole head taller than all the rest of the people. And they're just like, wow, you know, he's so handsome. He's so tall. Perfect. This is exactly what we were looking for. And they start saying immediately, long live the king. That just shows you like how uncaring the people were of God and of Samuel and of the things of God, because Samuel had just warned them, right? They had just cast lots in all of this. And now, the second they get the chance to start praising their earthly king, they start praising their earthly king. And the, did they ever give the same praise to God? No, hardly ever. If ever. They never gave that kind of praise to God. Now, suddenly, you know, Saul, who is very handsome and very tall, is standing in front of them, they're just like, yes, you know, long live the king. This is exactly what we wanted. They, they heap on all this earthly praise and, and worship, basically, onto Saul and so then it says at the end that Samuel writes a book regarding everything that Saul needs to do. And that's kind of the end of the story. But why did Saul hide in the baggage, okay? After God had given Saul a brand new heart, what was the point of hiding? inside of all of the luggage. Well, I know this episode's getting kind of long, but I'm going to take you over to James chapter three and read verses one through 10, okay? And this should clear up a lot of questions regarding Saul suddenly becoming chicken again. And this is out of the NLT version, James three. It says, dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by a means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. So the reason I took you to to James chapter three is because even though it's talking specifically about the tongue, you know, like our words matter, it's talking about how people can be living for God one minute and then all of a sudden turn and change and start, you know, cursing other people or, you know, boasting about themselves or sinning in some way. And that's basically what James is talking about here. So even though Saul received a new heart from God, it doesn't mean that Saul was suddenly sinless forever. His sin nature was still there. His nature of fear and of insecurity and all these things just came pouring back when suddenly he hears that he's the one truly who is going to become the next king of Israel. And so he goes and hides because not only is he scared of crowds again, but he's probably fearful of the responsibility that he now has. But then later on, we're going to see how he ends up defeating a ton of Philistines. So this shy man suddenly becomes a great warrior. And so even though God can give us a new heart, we need to choose to reject the sin nature that always creeps back up. And it's very hard to do. And we're never going to be perfect, but we can do it. That is what both Jesus and Paul tell us. That we can, in fact, choose to renew our minds, choose to reject the sin nature, and choose instead to live in the Spirit. But it's an active choice that we constantly have to make. We have to choose to always live in the Spirit and reject our own sins and our own sin nature. Well, faithful listeners, join in on Wednesday because we're going to talk more about Saul becoming the first king of Israel and all of the things that uh, go on there, more shenanigans happening in Israel. (laughs) So I hope you continue to tune in for 1 Samuel and that you've been enjoying it as well. And I hope that if you do enjoy the podcast, that you rate and review it and tell people about it as well. That is an excellent way to get people interested in scripture because the more ratings and reviews that this podcast gets, shockingly enough, the more people that will see it. Anyway, I'll see you faithful listeners tomorrow. Until then, happy listening and God bless.